0: My call to action is these boomers have tons of knowledge in their brain. These are the most experienced people in your company. They know your company probably better than you do. So how can we keep those people in our organizations?
2: Welcome to another episode of the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. I'm Joe Sullivan, your host, and a co-founder of the industrial marketing agency, gorilla 76, where we help B2B manufacturers grow through revenue-focused marketing programs. Most of the conversations I've had on this podcast about the labor market have revolved around how to get underrepresented segments of our population interested in manufacturing, from women to minorities to Gen Z. And these have been fantastic conversations, but one conversation I haven't had until today's episode is about how to retain the baby boomers. We're living in an era now where robots, automation, and other manufacturing technologies are making it possible to replace so much of the physical work that's traditionally taken such a toll on the bodies of those in our manufacturing workforce. What we still need though is the expertise and knowledge tied up in the brains of those individuals fueled by years of experience on the job. And what a waste if we allow all of that brain power to walk out the door because of the physical demands required by today's manufacturing jobs. As you'll learn shortly, my guest today brings some serious passion to the table about the future of manufacturing and in particular, this topic. Let me introduce him. Will Healy III is enthusiastic about manufacturing, technology, and workforce development. A Purdue University mechanical engineer who loves to share his passion for automation, Will is an industry thought leader and board member of the Advanced Manufacturing Industry Partnership, AMIP, in Cincinnati. He speaks from personal experience about people-centric technology investments, managing culture change in organizations, bridging the manufacturing skills gap, Utilizing alternative talent pipelines and creating value through automation. Will has more than 16 years of experience in a variety of discrete production industries, including assembly, food and beverage, packaging, welding, and stamping. Will is published in various trade magazines and he regularly presents internationally at industry conferences. Follow Will on LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter with the handle Will Automate. Will, welcome to the show. Awesome! I am so
0: excited to be here, Joe. Love your podcast.
2: Oh, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, we, uh, you, like many of my recent guests are people I've been, you know, interacting with digitally. I see you constantly on LinkedIn. You're always posting lots of amazing insights. Uh, like your videos in particular. Um, so it's really good to finally be you know having a real conversation here and in a public setting where everybody else can listen in too
0: yeah absolutely i'm i'm excited to be here really so much i um i'm so passionate and excited about this topic today I, i'm really just I love sharing about people-centric technology investment. And so that's, that's what I hope we get to talk about. I guess we'll see where Joe takes the questions.
2: <laughs> we'll, we'll make sure that's that's definitely a part of it. Yes. Awesome. Well, you've got some big news in your career. You've essentially just started your first new job in 17 years. Mm-hmm. And when you told me that, I, and I said, wow, that's like, you don't see that kind of longevity inside of one organization anymore. And I applaud you for it. So to tell us a little bit about your career path up to this point,
0: yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, i I actually, if you go all the way back and it is foundational, i um I went to an all guys Catholic military school for high school. so I had a lot of uh, really, interesting formative experiences in my life. And then I went to Purdue University for a mechanical engineering degree. And the funny thing about that is, is I'm not a very good engineer, but uh, I was really great at bringing people together and creating study groups and getting engineers out of their shell and, and building communities. To connect people together and uh, I was really good at you know learning from different people and sharing that knowledge between people and so um, that was really valuable skill for me I think it's the only way I networking was the only way I got through uh, through college to be perfectly honest with you so I knew I didn't want to be an engineer so I was looking for I did IT work for a couple of years in a call center that is torturous thank you to everyone who does uh, IT call center work um, I I was a sales trainee. I joined Balif as a sales trainee. And this job is really fun because I followed industry managers on their trips and I learned about all the different industries in manufacturing. I got to see how trees are turned into two by fours. I got to eat ice cream right off an ice cream production line. Uh, I've seen structural automotive. I've seen giant metal stamping press uh, applications. Uh, Really just you name it in manufacturing. Um, I've seen it steel mills and and, uh, chip production and beer production and bourbon production and everything in between. So um, just really got this passion for for makers and making stuff uh, across North America. Um, and then for a number of years, I was product manager for, for that. I learned how businesses work and I learned how, um, you know, products come to market and how products go out of market, which is something a lot of manufacturers forget. Sometimes you should cycle things out of the market. Um, and then uh, I did uh, industry management for a while for a number of industries, mostly in the automotive space with like tier suppliers. And then uh, for many years, I did marketing manager, so communications, PR events, trade shows, managing groups of people, uh, doing uh, business to business marketing. And then last but not least, uh, the last year or so, I've been doing supply chain communication, so working with our customers, working with our production, and sharing open and honestly, what was going on inside the company so that customers can make decisions for themselves and have informed decisions uh, in, in their businesses. So uh, I got to do a lot of different things and a lot of different uh, projects as an individual contributor and as a manager and just love love manufacturing and, and all there is to it. So
2: I love that. Well, you said something to me when we were prepping for this conversation and you kind of hinted at it in in our, you know, right at the beginning of, of this today, um, you know, you've, you commented about how there are so many cool technologies out there right now in manufacturing and that when companies make decisions about which ones to invest in, because you can't probably invest in all of them. There's so many, so many things going on. Right. Um, but, you know, you, you kind of have made the recommendation to strongly consider people centric technology. And I'm curious to hear more about what you mean by that.
0: Yeah, I mean, right now, I think everyone knows there's workforce shortage and especially in manufacturing. And and the thing is, is we are competing with the fast food retail and um, hospitality industry for workers. There are actually, that Wendy's down the street from your house, there are two open positions in that Wendy's for every one in your factory. So you are competing with a free cheeseburger in your factory for workforce. And so that's something you have to really take seriously and think about. And so people-centric technology investment, why I'm talking about looking at technologies that are focused on your people, this is what's going to help you attract and retain workers of all generations, not just young people, into your uh, organization. So, you know, focusing on the applications that are dull, dark, dirty, dangerous, right? Those those four, a lot of people talk about three, but I always end up with four somehow, um, dull, dark, dirty, dangerous things. Those things that, that are, are making the lives of your worker harder. Um, I mean, there's, there's so many technologies, Joe. I've seen phones and tablets do really incredible things. I've seen, you know, uh, mobile robots and cobots and um, drones. I've seen some cool drone applications, um, you know, virtual reality and augmented reality and, and uh, wearables tied with machine learning and uh, exoskeletons, which sounds like something out of science fiction, but really there's some powerful things you can do with this. And then even gamification. You know, uh, pretty much anyone who's been raised since the 90s, so the last 30 years, anyone who's been raised in schools since the 90s was raised with gamification through their whole education, you know, trying to get the next box or the next award or the next sticker or whatever it is, their entire lives have been gamification. And so that's how they engage and that's how they see progress. And so, you know, taking technologies, whether it's software or hardware technologies, I've listed there. And applying them to your business in a people-centric way is really important. Um, I, I just want to add one more thing, and 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 really, when I when I talk about this, you know, when we're making the life of the worker better, there's this great quote from the University of Cincinnati Industry 5.0 Institute. I'm not a huge fan of the idea of Industry 5.0 yet, but um, I'll, i I love this quote, and so I want to make sure I get it right. But change the business metrics from savings-based ROIs to lifestyle-improved ROIs. How can your worker go home at the end of the day and have enough energy to coach their kid's little week team? How can the worker go home at the end of the day and not just sit on the couch and drink beer and not engage with their wife or their family or their husband? How can you make their life better so that they have energy to go exercise at the end of the day? How can we make it so that they have a lifestyle improvement? And the reason you want to do that, that's not giving you the savings or the productivity you need at first, but what it's doing is it's helping you retain people and attract people to your company. And that will help you with productivity over the long term because people will want to work there.
2: So well said. I agree 100% with everything you said there.
0: Yeah. And, and really, I think, I think, Joe, I mean, you do a lot of marketing, right? So, um, you know, a lot of people talk about net promoter score and they talk about that uh, in reference to your business, you know, your customers buying from you, would they recommend your company to a friend? But I would argue a more important net promoter Score, and also important net promoter score for you to watch is, are your employees out there in your community recommending that their friends work there? If they're sitting next to someone in a lawn chair at a soccer game on Saturday, and the guy's complaining about his job, are they saying, hey, man, I work at XYZ, you should come work here, this place is awesome. That's a net promoter score that's going to have high value for you. And there are manufacturers that have employees doing that in the
2: community. Yeah, that's huge to hear it from the mouths of the people who are working there. It's a metric we use at my company, ENPS, employee net promoter score. And and there are real um, patterns that we notice that correlate with, you know, when it's up or when it's down and, um, you know, kind of gives you hints at what things you really need to be working on. So I agree. So will anywhere that there is a conversation about labor challenges in manufacturing, you always hear something like the baby boomers are exiting the workforce Not enough Gen Zers are coming in to replace them, which is true, but most of the conversations I've had with others about this topic, whether here on this podcast or, you know, just in conversation, um, tend to revolve around the young folks, and I love that, but I haven't heard many people talking about how we can keep the boomer generation around longer and maybe um, empower them in different ways, and I have heard you talk about it, so I'd love for you to share some of your thoughts on that topic.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, we got to keep our boomers, right? If we have this labor shortage, if someone still wants to work, how can we embrace that? Recently, in in February of 2022, not to date our podcast, Joe, but in February 2022, NAM, uh, the National Association of Manufacturers, and the Manufacturing Institute did a poll of 3,000 people who left manufacturing And they asked them, you know, why did you leave? And they asked them a bunch of questions. And 80, I want to make sure I get the number right, 82%, 82% retired due to age or health. Not because they were done working or because they didn't want to work anymore. They retired due to age or health. And so, my call to action is these boomers have tons of knowledge in their brain. These are the most experienced people in your company. They know your company probably better than you do. So, how can we keep those people in our organizations? And if you read between the lines, when you talk to people, they are tired. They are physically exhausted. They can't keep up with the work. You know, manufacturing is generally a pretty physical experience, whether you're an electrician or you're a line worker or you're a fork truck driver, manufacturing is a pretty physical experience. And so they're leaving because they're tired of the physical experience. But their brains are full of knowledge that we need and and we value. And so we have to kind of change inside. Instead of expecting the boomers to provide the same level of physical output as a 22-year-old kid, let's take the value that they have and let's apply it in different ways. Right. How can we use their brains instead of their bronze, Joe? That's what I'm really asking you. How can we use the brains of the boomers instead of the the muscles of the boomers? And we can do that through. There are really cool technologies for traceability. Like if you have someone on your line, I guarantee you do. They're more productive than anyone else. And you've tried to figure it out in the past and never really figured out why they're more productive than anyone else. There are systems where you can track their hand movements and their body movements. And it's not about, like, scoring them. It's about learning from them. Show them that you value their expertise and you want to learn from them and that you're not doing this to get rid of them. You're doing it because someday that person is going to want to leave and we, we want to learn from them. We can, we can learn from their movements how they're doing it different. Oh, they moved one of the bins over two inches and it saved us two seconds of tack time. <laughs> awesome. Let's like figure those things out, right? Um, there's, there's mentorships, right? I mean, not every boomer is willing to be a mentor, but there's a lot of studies that show there's a lot of value for the mentor and for the mentee out of a mentorship. And, and how do we use them as mentors to our, to our organization? you know, collaborative robots and and mobile robots. I mean, I put, you know, people-centric technology investment is something I always push. But when we look at collaborative robots and we look at mobile robots, these are things that are eliminating the physical work, but not eliminating the knowledge work, right? Someone still has to set up the machine, the CNC machine somewhere. Someone's still got to figure out how the the pallet's going to get packed. Someone still has to figure out how the weld needs to be done but the robot can do the repetitive work, the physical part, and we can use that person's brain to do two, three, four more jobs. And so, you know, we look at those things or even exoskeletons. I've seen a lot of really cool things, Joe. Okay, you need them to be drilling above their head. Okay, but an exoskeleton that takes all the weight out of their arms so they could stand like this all day while holding a tool and so yeah they're drilling above their head but they're not exhausted or having rotator cuff surgery or whatever it is that's going on because of that. We can we can eliminate those things through technology like exoskeletons or cobots or or traceability, machine learning applications and and those kinds of things. So how I'm um, circle all the way back around. I kind of got on a lecture here. Sorry about that, Joe, but you know, how do we keep those boomers in our organizations? They have so much value for us and we have this workforce shortage. Let's show them that we value them.
2: Oh, so much gold in their will. And I think, isn't it just the perfect time to, when you look at how, you know, the advancements in technology that make these things possible that may, we didn't really have at the, in this capacity or, you know, being as accessible ten years ago, it's, it's kind of the perfect timing. Like you have this moment in time now where, you know that that labor shortage is 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 really it's worse than it ever was, and you you know that compounds with all the, the issues in the supply chain and people not being able to meet um, meet on time delivery and and even keep up with demand, and and then you've got the boomers retiring because they don't want to physically do the jobs. Well, geez, all this technology is here. And you went through a a lot of great examples. It's just, this is the time, right? You can't delay any further and put this stuff into play. Really great. I love it. Okay. Let's take a quick break here. I want to let a couple of our strategists at Gorilla76 tell you about something pretty cool that we're doing right now for marketing folks in the manufacturing sector. Peyton and Mary, take it away.
3: Yes. So I'm Peyton Warren. And I'm Mary Keo. Twice a month, we host a live event called Industrial Marketing Live. Right now, we have a group of 50 plus industrial marketers from a variety of manufacturing organizations. We meet up digitally to learn, ask questions, network, and get smarter. Every session has a designated topic. And one of our team members at Gorilla 76 opens up by teaching for the first half hour or so. Topics have included, how to get better at a manufacturing webinar, getting started with paid social on LinkedIn, how to optimize your website for conversions, creating amazing video content, and so much more. After we break it down, we open it up to Q&A so we can help you apply all of this in your own businesses. This is pure value, no cost, no strings attached, no product or service pitches, just a 100% unadulterated learning experience. Oh, and on top of these live sessions, we've also opened up a Slack channel where our attendees bounce ideas off each other and learn together all week long between sessions. We're building a true community of manufacturing marketing professionals here. So if you or someone at your company has the word marketing in his or her job title, please consider telling them about it. They can visit industrialmarketinglive.com to register. We'd love to see you there.
2: If we can keep tapping into the brains and knowledge base of the boomers and keep them around, that'll be a huge win. And now let's go all the way to the other end of the spectrum and talk about Gen Z a little bit. I'm going to quote you from a previous conversation where you said, Gen Z requires what millennials demanded, but we told them to shut up. I, I was <laughs> laughing out loud when you said that in our last conversation, and um, and it's true. I'm just curious to hear what uh, what you have to say, if you can unpack that for us a little bit
0: yeah, absolutely. I think it it's very bar- it it, it worth it is worth to repeat. you know, Generation Z is demanding what millennials were asking for, and we told them to shut up. And that is really, really a, a powerful thought. And the thing is is, you know, these are things that even your Gen Xers are caring about. These are things that your boomers will care about. These are, these are not unheard of. These are trends that are hitting all work, all workforces and all workplaces. And these are things like more flexibility and understanding in the, in the workforce and in the time of day that you start. You know, when we have to attract people, you have a lot of single parent households. How can that person drop their kids off at work? or drop their kids off at school, right? How can they drop their kids off at school and still make it to work? How can you set up a schedule that allows that to happen? How can you, um, you know, provide regular feedback? You know, our our mantra of, of annual reviews, one time a year you tell someone everything they've done right or wrong, that is not how Gen Zs or millennials have gotten feedback. Their entire lifetime, their entire educational career, they've either gotten immediate feedback or next day feedback. Right? They've gotten they, they take a test online. My daughter took a standardized test on her computer yes last week, and literally got her score for the standardized test when she was done with the test. She knew how she did. So like, I mean, you remember, I mean, Joe, I'm going to date myself and probably date you, but we used to have to wait months for the scores to get sent somewhere and then processed and then like to come back to our parents, like months later, I wouldn't even remember I had taken a test, but my mom was real mad. I got a zero on spelling. So, you know, there was so much disconnect between it in the past, but now they have such immediate feedback. And so they expect that in the workplace. They expect regular positive and regular negative feedback in the workplace, that constant feedback cycle. The other thing is is you know they're expecting they're expecting not to go to a two week long training class. They're expecting to get training that they need to do the job in the moment. And the reason they're expecting that is they're the YouTube generation. Gen Z does not remember a time before YouTube as a search engine. I mean You know, I'm a certified mechanic, plumber, and electrician because of YouTube, right? I can do anything uh, in my house just watching a couple of YouTube videos, Uh, uncertified, by the way. But I mean, YouTube is an empowerful educational tool. And so they expect to get these these regular video-based on-demand style trainings to do the tasks that need to get done. They don't want to do something in Excel, watch a YouTube video, and move on. Not go to, not wait three months to go to a week-long Excel class, right? So I mean, they're they have just this expectation that your company has technology and has this like regular stream of information that's coming to them. And if you're not providing a regular stream of information, and you're not You're not showing that you're investing in technology. They're going to go work somewhere else. I mean, how many millennials and Gen Zs do you know are waiting in line at the Apple store because the Apple iPhone 14 is coming out or came out? They want the newest technology all the time. And so if they're in your company and the, the newest thing on your plant floor is a stamping press from the 1970s. it could be a good press. It probably is a good press, but to them, it shows that you're not investing in technology. So you have to be telling them how you're investing in technology, because that communicates to them that you're going to invest in them. And so they need to see that you're investing. And the last thing I'll I'll, I'll point out, Joe, is um, Gen Z and millennials, they're expecting diversity in your workforce. They're, They're really expecting that. And so if you don't, If you don't represent that in your company, if you don't have that representation in your company right now,
2: you gotta figure that out. Yeah, you you know, you shared a stat with me that read something like 20% of boomers identify as a minority, and 48% of Gen Zers identify as a minority. I mean, it's kind of a testament to that. Like, what what are the implications there? Do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean. That's a 200% increase in self-identification in two generations, three generations. I mean, inside our workforce, that's a huge gap that really has to be overcome. And, and by diversity, we don't necessarily just mean race. We're talking about age. Uh, we're talking about race. We're talking about gender. We're talking about sexual orientation. We're talking about education. We're talking about skill levels. We're talking about all these different things that come together and represent diversity in our organizations. I mean, if you are in the middle of of Iowa, you may not have racial diversity, but you probably have educational diversity or sexual orientation diversity or skill level diversity. So diversity isn't necessarily just that one thing. I, I still think you have to figure that part out, but diversity can mean a lot of things to Generation Z. And so the reason that they care about this is they see themselves as global citizens. And I think millennials also see themselves as global citizens. And I think Gen Xers see themselves as global citizens more and more. And that's because the internet has broken all boundaries. Your favorite YouTuber might be a guy in South Africa. Your favorite person on TikTok might be a guy in Berlin that does soccer tricks, football tricks. The, the borders matter less to the generations of the internet, and, and especially video, has, has really democratized the, the world. And so the Gen Z and millennials, they see themselves as global citizens, and so they expect the companies to see themselves as global citizens. And that's why you hear things like sustainability becoming more and more important. And that's why you hear things like diversity becoming more and more important, because they see themselves as global citizens. Now, if you hire a Gen Z, when they're going through the hiring process, 77% said that the level of diversity affects their decision to work someplace. Three quarters said they're looking around on your plant tour to see the amount of diversity in your factory. And even if they decide to join your company, 69% said a company's level of diversity affects their decision to stay beyond five years. So if you don't have a corporate commitment to increase inclusion and diversity in your organization, you, you will have and continue to have a hiring and retention problem. And diversity can mean right women in manufacturing as well. I think this is one of the, the largest pools of untapped talent in manufacturing right now. Like manufacturing generally has a 28 to 30% participation rate. When you look at some segments like metals and steel, it's like down in the eighteen to, to fifteen range. There's a really awesome, awesome stat from the Manufacturing Institute that um, uh, Jen uh, Jen Jorgensen. Uh, no, sorry, I can't remember who said the said the stat, but it's okay. Really, um, the the thing is, is if we increase the percentage of women in manufacturing. Oh, AJ Jorgensen. That's why it was freaking me out. It wasn't Jen, AJ. Um, if you increase the percentage of women participation in manufacturing by 10%, we can cut the skills gap in half. And so what that means is you got to get women to work in your factories. You have got to get more women into your organizations. You have to adapt your culture to women and you have to adapt to that. But you really, women are this absolutely large pool of untapped talent that can really help us bridge the bridge the gap and when we embrace diversity when we embrace women when we em- embrace people of color when we embrace diversity and have more inclusion in our organizations Um, We have an improved ability to innovate by 84%. We have increased profitability by 15%. We have a higher return on equity by 2.7%. And all this came from a really interesting research study from the Manufacturing Institute. And so um, we have to really think about how we're engaging diversity in our organizations and how do we attract more diversity into our manufacturing organizations as a requirement We have to do this. This is not a nice to have. This is something we've got to do to bridge our skills gap.
2: Will, Manufacturing Month is right ahead of us as we head into October here. Uh, What actions would you like to see the manufacturing community take to shine a light on everything amazing that's happening in this space? Yes,
0: totally, Joe. I mean, this is my call to action. Pay attention if you weren't paying attention before. October 7th is Manufacturing Day. And this uh, Manufacturing Month in October is organized by the National Association of Manufacturers, but it's really become almost an international style event. Uh, Around the world, people celebrate Manufacturing Month. And what I'm asking you to do, I know you feel overwhelmed. I know you feel like you don't have enough people, but like, try to do something. Manufacturing skills gap, all of the talent shortages we have, all the open positions we have, these will be solved locally. This is not something the National Association of Manufacturers can solve for you. This is something we solve in our local community. We make manufacturing careers interesting. We make awareness in our community, in our local city, in our local village, in our local town, the people that are nearby us, we have to engage our local communities. And so to do that, I'm asking you, reach out to the school across the street. See if they can, you know, bring a science class for a tour. See if they have a robot club for a tour. Engage with the robot club if you can. If you if you don't feel like you can bring them in for a tour, Go to the school and present about manufacturing and manufacturing careers. There are so many powerful resources on creatorswanted.org. Creators Wanted is Wanted is a website that has all kinds of resources for educators, has all kinds of resources for manufacturers, for hosting or participating in a manufacturing themed event. And so I'm asking you, you've got employees who have kids in a scout troop. Get the scout troop to come see your robot. Get the school to come see your conveyors. I mean, I, gotta tell you, I worked at Balluff We did manufacturing day for many years. And at Balluff we would give tours. It was just a warehouse. It was nothing crazy. It's not like Tesla robots everywhere. But the kids were still blown away by what we do in our warehouse and manufacturing careers. The parents, honestly, the, the chaperones were more blown away than anything. So, you know, do something, engage your community. And the other thing I'll ask is if you do do something, please register it on creatorswanted.org. Even if it's 10 kids that you had on a tour, put it up on creatorswanted.org. It doesn't have to be a public announcement. It can just be a, hey, we did a tour for manufacturing day. And that way we get an idea of how much is going on and and who engaged so we can thank you. Um, And so you go to creatorswanted.org, create your manufacturing event and you can open it to the community or you can have just a closed event, but there's lots of things you can do there on the site. But I'm just asking every manufacturer individually, if you have job openings right now, you've got to engage the community. And the way you're going to do that is during manufacturing month, build some hype in your local community, build some awareness in your local community and celebrate your workers. They're doing awesome things in manufacturing.
2: Great call to action, Will, and great conversation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for thanks for that. I had a, a real blast. Awesome, man. I like,
2: can just sense your passion and everything you say. It's very authentic and I appreciate you doing this. Can you tell our audience how they can get in touch with you and also where they can learn more about Universal Robots, where you have just begun the next mm-hmm. chapter of your career?
0: Yeah, totally. So you can find me online, pretty much in all the socials at Will Automate. One word, Will Automate. So LinkedIn, I'm Will Healy the third. But if you look for hashtag Will Automate, you'll find me. And uh, Twitter, Reddit, TikTok is kind of hit or miss sometimes, but I'm there. And uh, and then UniversalRobots.com. So really appreciate uh, really appreciate you having me, Joe.
2: Hey man, it was great to have you here, and you're welcome back anytime. As for the rest of you, I hope to catch you on the next episode of The Manufacturing Executive.
1: You've been listening to The Manufacturing Executive Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player.